0: to scary savannah and beyond this is going to be episode number 69
1: you're not going to make any comments about no that. no comments <laughs> at
0: all there's no jokes involved i just wanted to clarify that we're on the last digit of the 60s and we're about to enter the 70s
1: like a bingo when they say oh 69 and everyone has to say
0: woohoo yes like they're a bunch
1: of 12 year olds
0: they're all like teenagers even though they're all 70 plus so Mm -hmm. who knows so crystal please tell me how have you been this week and be as detailed as possible
1: i'm excellent but to me it looks like you're ready to go to the zoo you're wearing your flamingo pants and your neon pink hat
0: i kind of matched did did you notice that i got on a pink hat the pink shirt and you tied it in
1: you tied it in with the shirt there i see in the hat
0: i even have on my pink boxer shorts at the moment (laughs) do you you know I don't want pink you don't. boxer shorts.
1: You used to have some with flamingos on them. What happened to those?
0: I don't know. Who knows? I
1: forgot about those. Yeah. So we've been busy this week getting ready for your parents to come down to visit for Mother's Day and your birthday next week.
0: That's right. I'm going to be almost 90 years old.
1: Halfway there. Yay. That's a big time rush song.
0: It is a big time rush <laughs> song. And I'm. that makes me happier that you said that.
1: Yeah, it's a good song. I've been planting flowers, doing yard work, cleaning the inside of window seals for some reason. It always seems to snowball.
0: Been washing the fence, painting the attic.
1: No, I didn't do that, but I did find myself cleaning. Sweeping
0: the dirt on the dirt.
1: No, but I had the windows open and took the screens out and I was sweeping out the windows. It was a whole thing.
0: You always go above and beyond for no reason. For no reason
1: because the windows will be closed.
0: Exactly.
1: I don't know why, but they haven't been cleaned in a while and sand gets in the windowsills.
0: Why? When well, sand gets everywhere, yeah, sand I gets in sand. everything you know sand it's it's rough and it's coarse and it gets everywhere,
1: okay, Anakin. and again. Yeah, the kids came over the other day, and they went down to the beach, and they brought a towel back up, and it had sand in it, and they set it on the kitchen table, and sand got all over the table and the floor.
0: Those out. monsters! How dare they? And, and they didn't they even hang around.
1: I know. They then just they just leave. Left. I know. Then I have to send the robot vacuum, known as Vegas, 2.
0: Because you killed Vegas one. Yeah, I did. You killed it. I don't know. You overworked it. I probably <laughs> did. You, you do too. You ask too much of your of your labor, is what it is.
1: I guess. So, this week I was checking on updates for the Alec Murdoch case, and it seems he's finally admitted that he was lying about the story he told regarding his housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield. Lying,
0: you say? Yeah, imagine that. This certainly doesn't sound anything like the Alec Murdoch that I know.
1: (laughs) Remember he said that his dogs made her fall down the stairs, and that's what caused her head injury.
0: I do remember that, yes.
1: Well, now he admits he made that all up.
0: And in what way does this benefit him?
1: Well, because his insurance company paid him for her on her behalf, her family's behalf, and he didn't give them the money, of course. Of
0: course not. I mean, come on, he is Alec Murdoch.
1: And from what I know, they were paid later, but not by him and not by. The company, the insurance company,
0: they're paid by PMPED. I think
1: that's correct. And now that company wants their money back because they feel like they shouldn't have had to pay that claim. The insurance company insurance company
0: not the law firm that paid it to them.
1: The insurance company says they shouldn't have had to pay it, and that they should get it back from Alec. And he's saying, "Hey, it wasn't me.
0: I didn't. (laughs) I had had nothing to do with it. You know, I'm a fine, upstanding citizen." It's
1: like the more you get to know about him, the more you think he's exactly where he should be.
0: I'm thinking he's pretty close to where he should be, Yeah, but he'll get there eventually. So.
1: But in this case we're going to talk about tonight, I'm not so sure that justice was served. In fact, I'm pretty sure that it wasn't, and I'm going to tell you about it, and then you can let me know if you agree. And for this one, we're going back to our home state of North Carolina.
0: North Cackalacky.
1: Where we grew up in Stanley and Mount Holly, we were right next to Dallas, North Carolina. We drove through there all the time on our way to the big city of Gastonia
0: was a big rival for our son's baseball teams at the time, back when our oldest used to play a lot of baseball.
1: It's also the home of Gaston College, where our kids went when they were in high school. They were dual enrolled, so we spent a lot of time over in Dallas.
0: I even went to Gaston College myself for about a week and a half. Long enough to buy textbooks, but not long enough to do anything
1: with it. I went there for a while as well. Dallas was founded in 1846 and was named for George M. Dallas, who was the vice president of the United States under James K. Polk, who was the 11th president.
0: Who was the 12th president?
1: I have no idea, but I don't think it was this dude Dallas because I've never heard of Lincoln. him. He was the 16th.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I was you just confused thinking of I me could for a second. No, <laughs>
1: he was the 16th president. I do know that. Dallas has a current population of just over 6,000 people, so not a big, big place.
0: No, it's it's a relatively decent-sized city. I'm
1: thinking Gastonia has approximately 80,000, I'm thinking.
0: Yeah, that's the big city.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of people. And so a few interesting things about the town of Dallas. Bigger Staff Park hosts an annual gathering of amateur radio operators called Shelby Hamfest, this is one of the oldest and largest such festivals in the country.
0: Did you know this? Of course. I'm a humongous amateur radio operator.
1: It seems band. about right from what you know about the people out there though, right? You like would everybody know. has a ham radio. Yeah,
0: what was your handle?
1: Uh, I didn't have one.
0: Did I, I thought you had one. Like no. your papa was no. a big cowboy or no, something. Yeah, he was
1: shy boy. Shy boy. <laughs> <laughs> Mama was cowgirl. Mama was Little Cowgirl.
0: Oh, wait, I'm thinking of CB radio. CB radio. I, I think uh, ham radios are the ones where you can listen to signals from outer space and Russia yeah, and all those yeah. other places. Probably yeah. two totally different things. I
1: think things. I did get to talk on it once in a while, but I don't remember what my name was. I may have had one, but I know Mama was Little Cowgirl.
0: Did you ever talk to anyone in Russia?
1: No. I don't think so. I
0: don't, I don't think that's how CB radio, is, I mean, <laughs> ham radios work. But, hey, if you're a ham radio operator, let us know what in the world that is. And if you're a big fan of Shelby Ham Fest. Mm-hmm.
1: So, also, North Gaston High School in Dallas was the location for filming the 1999 movie Carrie 2.
0: Probably one of Stephen King's better films, I would imagine. I
1: didn't know there was a sequel. Did you?
0: I didn't either. It was probably <laughs> you remember how Aladdin... Had the oh, genie, it yeah. was great.
1: It was Return of Jafar. And then
0: the second one sort of just went straight to DVD or yeah. VHS. And it didn't have Robin Williams yeah. as a genie. I think it was like Bob Stankin' Wits as the genie, and it's like, well, he's a voice actor we can afford. Yeah. I'm sure it was a hit, too. Probably filmed at North Gaston High School.
1: Probably. I haven't thought about this in a long time, but I remembered they are also the annual host of a festival right next to Gaston College in the prison. <laughs> right next, to,
0: This is the only place you can go any bit. Well, there's Gaston College, but actually, even closer is the Gaston Jail. It
1: really is. And this festival is called Cotton Ginning Days.
0: We, we love Cotton Ginning yeah. Days. Didn't your papa have a friend that would boil some peanuts? Yeah, over you there. always have
1: to go get some boiled, boiled peanuts, peanuts from, from JW. JW. Go
0: see all the tractors. And we bought some cool stuff because it's almost like a, a flea market, yeah.
1: too. Yeah, it has like a flea market. They have a lot of vendors out there and they sell a lot of vintage things. And it's really like you go and they try to take you back to what life was like in the early 1900s. They have like a log cabin and they show you how people lived in those cabins. And, they, actually, have and they have a show
0: cotton gin. And they have a cotton working gin, a working one. Works. Like they yeah. have
1: a lot of farm equipment that's actually working that they've restored. And they have a lot of bluegrass bands.
0: Which is why I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: A lot of snacks. That's about
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they got. They got traffic too. They oh, got a lot of yeah. that because that's a lot of people for a very small place. Yeah, they
1: say over 25,000 people come out over the weekend. That's a lot of and people.
0: And all of them come out at 11 a.m. on a Saturday, which is when we're there. And
1: you have to park in a field and there's. By the
0: jail. By the jail. Yeah. Which is totally safe because, I mean, they got barbed wire fence. There's no way. It was way always be fun
1: taking the kids there when they were little. I'd like to go back there someday, maybe.
0: Nah, it's one of those things you talk about when yeah, do. Yeah, I remember it fondly, actually but actually do. go
1: do that. But mm-hmm. I think that's in September or October.
0: And we all know that you can't travel in months that end with airy or er.
1: Yeah, because now it's going to be fall, and I want to be here decorating. Yeah.
0: yeah, speaking of that, I was sitting there editing something today, and she walked down and saw my screen, and I put some autumn wallpapers on my computer monitors, and I've got three monitors on my editing PC, and... I've got pumpkins and vampire popsicles and stuff in the background. Cake pops or whatever they are. And she saw it. She's like, you can't have that on your computer. It's almost summer. Now I have to get pumpkins.
1: I know. It's like confusing me because up here I'm trying to make a tropical paradise on our deck with all these flowers. And I'm
0: ready for Halloween.
1: I am too, but I can't just skip over the summer because I want to.
0: I don't know why not.
1: It's too hot.
0: It's your fault.
1: Dallas is the oldest incorporated town in Gaston County and served as the original county seat for Gaston County until it later moved to Gastonia. Dallas was once the site of the Gaston County Courthouse and Jail until it was moved to Gastonia. The old courthouse and jail still stand to this day, and for this we're going back to 1892 when the courthouse and jail in Dallas were central to this story. In the late 1800s, this was a period post-Civil War known as the Reconstruction Era.
0: That's a term I've heard before, but don't know what it means.
1: Following the emancipation of slaves, the country was left with the dilemma of how to integrate all the freed men and women into our society. We all know that it was not an easy process, especially in the South. Segregation and discrimination was rampant for nearly 100 years after the war, and though we've made great strides as a nation, things still aren't perfect. I remember when your parents were kids, schools were still segregated. Yeah, they were still
0: segregated in, what, the 60s? Isn't that when they desegregated?
1: Yeah, I think it was 1954 or 1958 was Brown versus the Board of Education.
0: I've heard of that.
1: And that's when they ruled that segregation was unconstitutional. But they didn't actually get around to enforcing it all until later in the 60s. And in some places, it's still going on. But imagine being a young, unwed African-American mother in 1892.
0: Sounds like you've got a lot going against you here.
1: Mm-hmm. This young woman was Caroline Ship, and she lived in nearby Mount Holly and was the daughter of former slaves. Caroline stated that her parents were mean to her and would take any money she made for themselves. They died when she was 13 or 14 years old, and she began to take up with different men, stating it was the best she could do. The men would help support her. Okay. So that's how she... And she did work, but, you know, she couldn't make it on her own. But at the age of 20 or 21, she wasn't sure of her exact age. She finds herself huddled on the cold floor of the Dallas jail, speaking with a reporter from the Gaston Gazette on the eve of her execution day. But how did Caroline wind up here? Caroline had been convicted of poisoning her 11-month-old son with rat poison, and despite pleas from her attorneys to commute her sentence she was scheduled to be hanged by the neck until dead on Friday, January 22, 1892. While speaking with this reporter from the Gazette, Caroline proclaims her innocence. She tells him that a man named Mac Farrar was the child's killer. The exact nature of the relationship between Caroline and Mac is unclear, though she did confirm he was not the child's father. Rumors are that Caroline and Mac were in a relationship and he did not want children, although there's no way to confirm this. The following is Caroline's story as told word for word to a reporter from the Gaston Gazette. I am 20 or 21 years old. My father belonged to the Mount Holly ships in slavery time. Twas on Tuesday after March court, Mac Farrar came to my house. I was living with Uncle Solomon Holland and Aunt Jenny, his wife. He, meaning Solomon, hired me to work for him. On a Tuesday two weeks before, I had got the poison and give it to Mac Farrar, I got it from Mr. Charlie Thompson. Mac told me to get 15 cents from Uncle Solomon Holland and get the poison, that he needed it. The reporter asks if she knows why he wanted the poison. She says, No, he said he just needed it, and when I kept on asking him, he said, I'm not gonna do nothing to you with it. You needn't be scared. The reporter asked her why she would use her money to pay for the poison for Ferrar. She says, he said he would pay the 15 cents back. On Tuesday morning, two weeks before he poisoned my baby, I met Mac and gave him the poison, not knowing what he was going to do with it. He took it and went on to his home, and I went to mine. On Tuesday morning, after March court, Mac came back to me and asked where Aunt Jenny was. She's gone to carry something to Mr. John Ferrars. He asked for a drink of water. I told him there was none there, and I went to the spring to get some time I got nigh back to the house he was running away I asked him why are you running off for he says see you again and kept a going that was about 10 or 11 o'clock the baby was playing on the floor it took sick it was knocking on the floor with a little stick it took sick with a throwin up and then it had spasms and died between four and five o'clock that evening it died with its hands shut right tight together
0: that Is kind of horrific, isn't it?
1: It is. And I think what she's talking about, March court or something, is they had already arrested them at this point. Arrested them. And then he comes back and talks to her after the fact. So, All right. The reporter asked Caroline how she knows Mac Farrar poisoned her baby. She says, well, I'll tell you now how come I know he poisoned it. On the next Friday, he came to Uncle Solomon's and he called me a time or two. Aunt Jenny says, go see what he wants. I says, I don't reckon he wants nothing. right that away. And then went out to see what he wanted. He says to me, suppose you lost your baby? Yes. And he laughed like he was mighty glad of it. He asked me three or four times, do you know what killed your baby? I told him I didn't know. He says, don't you go tell Aunt Jenny what I'm telling you. I know what killed your baby. And he laughed and laughed and said he knowed what killed it, knowed all about it. And he told me, if you go back and tell, I'll kill you. And from that, I knowed he gave it the poison.
0: Sounds like a pretty devious evil person here taking a lot of joy in this horrible situation.
1: And why would he tell her that?
0: He probably thinks uh, maybe he has a reason to dislike her and he's trying to hurt her further than just, you know, losing the child.
1: And the whole nature of the dynamic of this relationship is just so unclear. You know, they don't specify because of the time.
0: I imagine these particular issues, they probably didn't keep thorough records Mm -hmm. on those kinds of interactions.
1: When it was time for the reporter to leave, he told her that the time was drawing near for her to die and insisted that she tell the truth if she hadn't told it already. She declared, that's the way it is. That's the truth. I'm ready to go. I'm innocent of murdering my baby. I'm not afraid to die.
0: Some pretty bold words for a young lady at that time with the the threat of execution by hanging looming over her head.
1: Yeah. The reporter extended his sympathies to her and asked if there was anything he could do for her before she left this world, anything she wanted. She hesitated. Then she said, yes, I'd like to have some sardines. The reporter promised to have two boxes of sardines sent over to her. Based on his time with her, the reporter stated, From my knowledge of the case, I thoroughly believe that she was either innocent or of weak and unsound mental faculties. Both alternatives may be true. I believe the latter is true, that she was a weak-minded, easy, and pliant tool in the hands of her paramour. So this suggests that Caroline and Mac were in a relationship, and it also tells us that based on his interactions, he got a sense that she was easily manipulated.
0: That is unfortunate. That's another thing she's got going against her here is if she can be pushed around, she might have been led to do things that she wouldn't normally do or was enticed to do them and just didn't have the ability to comprehend what was happening, maybe.
1: I mean, first, just being a woman of any color, you know, at the time, you wouldn't have probably spoken your mind. And then to be a woman of color,
0: Oh, you in the south?
1: Yeah, in the south, you know, for you would, sure, you would be very careful what you said to who, and you know,
0: exactly. So
1: you could be led to do something. We'll talk more about that at the end because he does bring up an important point that happened at trial and what probably led to her ultimate conviction. But for now, we're going to go to the day of Caroline's execution on Friday, January twenty second, eighteen ninety two. The headline in the Gaston Gazette read, "Choked to Death by Law, Caroline Ship." A young colored woman is hanged by the neck in the presence of 3,000 spectators, men, women, and children, white and colored, till dead, dead, dead. So I think we have this misconception today that, you know, true crime is all the rage and that people are just now interested in it. But it's always been that
0: way. It seems to be the case. I mean, case. imagine at this traveling.
1: Because, like people go down to see the Murdoch trial. But, you know, it's a car in your air-conditioned car and you go to a courthouse that's air-conditioned. You know, you're talking about traveling by horse and buggy.
0: In the deep south. In in a, a, on a muddy, cold Well, it was summer, day. was it? No, it, it was, was cold. Was, yeah, it was cold, so it mm-hmm. was definitely not comfortable the other direction.
1: Yeah, so people have always been fascinated with this. Early on that cold, cloudy morning, the crowd started arriving on the muddy streets.
0: And it was rainy, apparently.
1: Mm-hmm. They came on horses, mules, on foot, on crutches in buggies and wagons, all to bear witness to this poor girl's final moments. They gathered near the gallows that were set up in a field one mile from the courthouse. Nearby, in view of the crowd, a grave digger dug in a potter's field, preparing Caroline's final resting place. That's...
0: How very dreary and sad. I can't believe this happened back where we used to live.
1: I know. The gallows were constructed of two upright posts 16 feet high and 6 feet apart with a cross beam at the top. Six feet from the ground was the platform supported on each side by the posts. A wooden pin on one side would allow the release of the platform. Caroline spends the morning in a long white gown speaking with reporters and being ministered to by two colored preachers. She continues to maintain her innocence. It seems if you were going to know that you were going to be executed and you did do it, you would confess...
0: Especially at that, point. at that time, if you're a God-fearing person, which a lot of people were, oh, yeah. then you'd be like, well, I'm going to be hanged. Mm-hmm. And if I have something weighing on my soul, I need to admit it here for, for penance. You know? Yeah,
1: because she was a believer. So At 106 p.m., the large door of the Dallas Jail swings open, revealing Caroline now dressed in a long black gown and calico bonnet with small black flowers stamped on it. A calico bonnet is one of those... You see in the old westerns that the women are wearing. I'm thinking like Little House on the Prairie. Okay. Little House on the Prairie.
0: Okay. Little House on the Prairie. I've uh, I've never watched that.
1: Okay. But you know what they were wearing.
0: I have a general idea. Mm -hmm.
1: She is led out by Deputy Van Sellers to a waiting wagon driven by two little white boys. A plain coffin covered in a black cloth waits on the wagon as Caroline and the deputy climb on top of it. So they're sitting on top of the coffin.
0: That is so dark that's it that's really bad is. I'm forcing this person to experience that in their imminent death and seeing this is where you're going to go
1: I know and they're all doing in a very kind it's weird but you know they're all very courteous because I don't think any of them want to carry this out.
0: Probably yeah. not,
1: but they have no choice because the the
0: law's been handed yeah down.
1: they her lawyers appealed it to the governor and he said he couldn't do anything about it. He did get a temporary stay because I think the child died in October of the previous year, so it took them until January, which is a long time back then to actually carry out a sentence. yeah you know they usually' it's like next week you're dead so exactly. but they couldn't do anything about it. So I don't think anyone was really happy about this situation. The two ministers rode in the wagon with them. In front of the wagon, Sheriff M. H. Shuford leads on an iron gray horse. Behind the wagon are vehicles and horses. The Gaston riflemen with their bayoneted rifles flank the group as they proceed down the muddy dirt road. A young boy beats a drum as they march her towards her death. Throb, throb, throb went the drum, never stopping, never faltering, and the friendless colored woman who sat on her coffin listened to its merciless roll tolling away, one by one, the few short moments that separated her from eternity. That's a quote from the paper.
0: Well, whoever wrote back then, they def- definitely had a different quality of writing than current newspaper writers do, it seems.
1: Yeah, the casting Gazette was just full of good information. A lone black chorus breaks loose, creating a moment of chaos. It was as if he sensed the injustice in the air. But they continue on.
0: That, I mean, just writing like that. I mean, that's... I wrote that. Oh, you wrote that.
1: <laughs> I did.
0: Well, you're a fabulous writer. You should have been writing for the Gazette in the 1800s. I should have.
1: They reach their destination at 1.35 p.m. The thousands of eyes watch as Caroline is led to the platform by Sheriff M. H. Shuford and Deputy Band Sellers. Reverend L.C. Chamblin and Reverend B.F. Martin accompany her up the scaffold. When the deputy and his assistant adjust the rope, O.F. Mason Esquire, who was one of the lawyers who worked diligently to have her sentence commuted, approached the steps weeping. He took her hand and said, Goodbye, Caroline. I have done the best I could for you. Mr. Mason implores them to make sure they get the drop correct, stating, I've dreamed for three nights that it was a butchered job and that she choked to death. Do it right. I don't want her to choke to death. At 142, Caroline is encouraged to speak her final words. In a clear voice, she talks for eight minutes. My beloved friends, I am accused of murdering my child, which I am not guilty of. I am innocent. Mac Farrar poisoned my baby. She goes on to state the same story she told the reporter previously, adding a little more detail. She says, Uncle Solomon Holland found the box of rat poison in the woods near the house. She says, Mac put it there to make people think that she put it there. She goes on to say, I think my friends done all they could do to keep me from being here today. I thank them for it. But I thank the Lord that He has done more for me than they all. I'll soon be gone to meet my little baby beyond this veil of tears. Friends, I ask you all to meet me. Of course, we won't put here to stay always. If we thought we'd live always, people wouldn't think about dying and wouldn't care what they done. We must all die somehow. Every hour, every minute, every second, somebody is dying. I expect to see my sister here today, but I don't see none of my people. At this point, one of the ministers addresses the crowd and asks if there are any of Caroline's family or friends who wish to speak to her. There are none.
0: That's pretty sad. And she's pretty well spoken for somebody that they think may be kind of slow That's to what process. I think. That, unless whoever wrote this article maybe, you know, put a little extra flourish he's on her he's words. He's saying he's writing her
1: words word for word is what they, he says.
0: And that's why she's saying words in a, in a way where the grammar and the like, English doesn't sound um, yeah. correct. And she's actually making it a little bit easier to understand because as it's written, it's kind of a little hard to follow some of what she said.
1: It is, but I don't think that has to do with her education or whatever because people talk like that in the South, even educated people sometimes. Yeah, me
0: too. If you can't put a apostrophe in it and shorten <laughs> it, then is it even a word a Southerner will say?
1: All right. Caroline continues. Well, it's mighty hard. May the Lord be with you all. At Caroline's request, Reverend Martin and Reverend Chamblin sung two stanzas of her favorite hymn. Why do we mourn for dying friends or shake at death's alarms? Tis but the voice that Jesus sends to call them to his arms. Are we not tending upward too, as fast as time can move? Nor should we wish the hours more slow to keep us from our love. Caroline began singing with them, but trailed off before the end. After the singing, the crowd bowed their heads as the Reverend offered a prayer on behalf of Caroline's soul.
0: We pray thee to bless and strengthen Caroline in the hour of sore affliction. Give to her victorious faith, and oh, may she realize thy presence. Thy rod and thy staff, may they comfort her. Do thou receive her spirit into thy presence that she may, with thy saints, be redeemed from sin's power. Praise thee forever.
1: During the prayer, Caroline raises her eyes and looks on at the crowd gathered to watch her final moments. At 154, a black hood is placed over Caroline's head. Her calico bonnet is given to the sheriff, who later takes it home with him. The handcuffs are removed from her wrists and replaced with ropes. Everyone says their final goodbyes. Caroline does not tremble as she speaks her final words to the deputy. "'Are you ready?' she asks as she releases a white handkerchief from her tiny hand. "'Yes,' says deputy Sellers as the pin is pulled from the platform. And it releases. The body fell with a soul-sickening jerk, according to the paper, and hung unmoving for a moment. They feel relieved that her neck had been broken and that it was quick, but not more than 30 seconds later— her head turned towards the sky, and her body began to heave as she was gasping for breath.
0: Well, that is horrific. I
1: know. Her neck had not broken. It forced the deputy to pull onto the rope until she could no longer breathe.
0: How can people go and witness a spectacle like this and not have these children it there too? completely turn their stomach? Just the thought of it makes me feel just sick in my So, now, Mm -hmm. granted, this woman may have killed her kid, you know.
1: Well, even if she did, I don't think she deserved that.
0: (laughs) No, no, but I'm saying, even if she had committed these crimes, she seems like the life sentence is written for, you know, and not what she ended up being given.
1: Mm -hmm. The reporter describes this as a scene so sickening beyond endurance that he has to turn away and leave.
0: I bet it was. It's Mm -hmm. probably something he never forgot the rest of his life. But he
1: said that no one there would ever forget it. And he says he thinks people would measure time before this and after this.
0: I'm sure it would change a person age, yeah. to be experience, ex, to experience something mm-hmm. of that. Because you got to imagine, a lot of these people that came probably had never seen anything like oh, this sure. and didn't know what to expect, and they probably felt like a big sporting event or something. And then you realize a human being is being put to death, right. and that sort of changes the dynamic woman, of everything. You know? A very young woman, mm-hmm. from what I'm understanding here. Mm-hmm. So in what way could that be considered entertaining? I don't
1: know. This story really got to me as I was researching it, so I thought, well, they must have some evidence that she's guilty, right? And whatever happened to Mac?
0: Surely there's going to be some kind of evidence here.
1: Well, Mac was acquitted of murder based solely on the testimony of two men, Will Davenport and Billy Cannon.
0: Just testimony? Is that all it took back in the day to be scot-free from murder charges? Right.
1: They were described as upstanding citizens. And they testified that Mac had been working for them that day.
0: I imagine that's you can sort took. of read between the lines when you say something like upstanding citizens. I'm
1: assuming they were white.
0: I'm thinking that's probably the case.
1: <laughs> like we said earlier, racial tensions were high. And I don't know if Mac was a white man or an African-American man. But I'm leaning towards him being white because I'm not sure that upstanding citizens at the time would have testified on behalf of an African-American man. But we just really don't know.
0: Yeah, I guess there is no way to know. It's not yeah. to say that they they wouldn't have, but at the same time I feel like they, they wouldn't get the same kind of treatment that right. say
1: But why would they stand up for a, an African American man but not an African American woman? It seems like they would lean towards the woman. So that's what makes me think it's a white man.
0: I mean, that logic seems pretty sound to me.
1: It's said, though, that as soon as he was acquitted, Mac left town. I'm sure he was ready to get out of oh, there. Oh, as
0: soon as he gets away, he gets away. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't sound suspicious at all.
1: Now, earlier I told you that the reporter that spoke with Caroline suggested that she might be an accessory to the crime, perhaps. And what led him to this is that two men, Mr. Kit Hamlet and Gerard Thompson, testified in court that she told them that she had handed Mac a spoon and helped to mix the poison.
0: Well, that sounds a whole lot uh, like a different story than what I've heard so far, though. Mm-hmm.
1: It was also alleged that she testified to that in court, that she got some water for Mac, helped mix the poison in the spoon, and then went and looked away because she didn't want to see the child take the poison. Caroline denied this to the reporter. She said she didn't say that.
0: They didn't have a person sitting there writing down what these people said that's in what court?
1: I want to know. Like, you know, they take notes. Uh, you know, When did that or, start happening? I don't know. We need to find out because that's... There's no way to find out what she said.
0: How is anyone accused and how can you prove it to anybody what actually happened unless you're in the courtroom Yeah,
1: That's what he was saying. He said he took the word of these two men that that said she testified to that.
0: Yeah. And did she do that? Probably. She said
1: she didn't. Not. You know,
0: why would she?
1: Right. And she says that she's been asked so many questions. She doesn't remember everything she said. But she knows that she didn't like say that. like a pretty that.
0: glaring omission. Yeah, she says she didn't if she say that. She had said that.
1: He went on to say that once or twice during the interview, she would whisper the last words of her answers to his questions. This, along with the perceived contradictions, led him to believe that her mind was not clear because he was believing these men saying that she did testify to this because mm-hmm. he knew that they were, you know, trustworthy. So why would they say she did if she didn't?
0: That is a good point, yeah.
1: But who knows? Apparently
0: nobody kept records, so nobody knows except for her and God Mm -hmm. and maybe the people that were in the courtroom at the time.
1: He also asked her if she had ever had any other children. She told him that she had had another child that died three or four years prior at the age of six months. This would have made Caroline 16 or 17 at the time. It died from a hurt, the doctor said. It was jumping on a chair and jumped out on its face. It died bleeding at the nose, and the doctor said it was her inside. When asked if anyone had ever hinted to her that she had poisoned that child also, she said no. So, I've never heard this part, you know, that she had another child that died.
0: That seems kind of a little bit suspect, maybe. And thing, I don't This know. is
1: all playing into why he thought maybe she was, you know,
0: somewhat involved in it. Possibly suspect in the crime that has been committed.
1: She said the name of the father of that child was Jack Davenport. And this got me into thinking about the two men who testified in defense of Mac Farrar. One of these men was named Will Davenport. And we don't know. Were they related? Would he have had a reason to want Caroline to be convicted? All these are questions I wish I had answers for. But
0: Davenport. I wonder how common that name was back in those days. That's what that I mean. Area. In
1: that area. There might have been
0: know. tons of Davenport. It mm-hmm. might have been that area, Smith, you know?
1: be. In the end, the reporter concluded that he did not agree with the state of North Carolina's decision to execute the young woman. He wrote, quote, "...what right under heaven and the state of North Carolina to require a lot of men to take this woman out into an open field and choke the life out of her with a big rope? Was it for vengeance or for prevention of crime? If for vengeance, the state is wrong." If for prevention of crime, could not something else have been done with her to conserve the safety of society? If this woman was guilty, she just got rid of her child because it was in her way and she didn't want it. That is just about the way the state of North Carolina treated Caroline Ship. So I have to say, I agree with him. I'm not totally against the death penalty per se, but in this case, they really had no evidence that she did anything, let alone murder.
0: That based on the information I have available to me, I agree with you. Mm-hmm.
1: We know how unreliable eyewitness testimony is in so many cases. So I feel like the state was wrong. And
0: that's basically the majority of what they had to go with back in they the have, day, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just eyewitness testimony.
1: Right. So, I mean, no fingerprints, no DNA. So, you know, that I mean, you couldn't expect but that. But they
0: were upstanding citizens, right. Crystal. But. I mean, come on. I know. Who else can you believe?
1: Yeah, so I just think that that was totally unjust.
0: The woman may have had a part in the crime, based on what I've read, possibly. If she did, I don't think she did it knowingly or understood maybe what was happening. I would say at the time, it seems like a more fitting punishment would have been life in prison.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: If found guilty.
1: Yeah. And I don't know with how no do they evidence. Find her guilty how can you
0: find her guilty? Uh, was it the standards of evidence different back then? Could eyewitness testimony literally be all it took to oh, put yeah. somebody to death by hanging? Apparently. I'm glad I didn't live back then and had some enemies that decided they wanted to see me hanging from a gallows then.
1: Thankfully, Caroline Ship was the last woman hanged in the state of North Carolina.
0: That she is was a also the
1: first one hanged after the Civil War.
0: That is, so she's a, the only one. That is a, a sad record. I know to to have. I guess.
1: I mean, like especially if if I agreed with the death penalty in a case, I still don't think hanging is the appropriate.
0: I guess the only other option back in those days might have been the firing squad, which probably would have been more humane, honestly.
1: Yeah. There are several legends and rumors that sprung up from this case. One was that she was hung from a tree branch near the prison, and that's not true. But I do seem to remember kids pointing out a tree and saying a woman had been hanged there. You remember that? I do,
0: because the tree we're talking about is the one that was in my granddad, my great aunt Edna's yard, which everyone in this area would drive past when they're going to Dallas from Stanley. What is that road called? Right there that comes up beside that house. Do you remember what it's called?
1: Everyone that's in our area back there is going to be screaming it. (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, I don't even remember. 279 or something is the road number. I I don't know. You know what you're talking about if you're from the area.
1: Isn't that funny? We've been there so many times. Yeah, I I don't don't know anything.
0: But that tree that they had there, and it may have been cut down since. There's this huge tree in my dad said that they always told him the story that that very tree was the tree that she was hung from. Really? And I think that they said that to try to scare the kids. But it is about a mile or so away from the old Dallas courthouse uh, and jail. And, uh, but he, the writer, appears, talks about it happening in a field.
1: Yeah, was so a I field. don't
0: know, maybe at the time that was a field. And it was a very large tree. But I think they mostly just said it to the kids at the time, to scare them with ghost stories. I don't think there's any credibility to that being the place it actually happened.
1: Yeah, I don't think that was it. Another story says that her body was dug up after being buried in that nearby potter's field, but they say that's not true. She's still there, along with uh, about 20 other people.
0: I can't believe I've never heard of this. I'd like to go see that gravestone whenever we're back in town if it's known where it is located.
1: This has reportedly led to rumors of her ghost haunting the area. And this jail where Caroline was held has a reputation of being haunted as well, and her story contributes to some of those beliefs. Reportedly, people have spotted poor Caroline leaving the jail and walking up Trade Street to the site of her death.
0: I don't know if that's on the way. And, you know, this sort of feels the same way that Savannah feels, but on a much smaller scale. You've got a tragic event that happened in the past that involved a death that involved a building we're going to say it's haunted we didn't have a lot of that stuff back there like we did here Mm -hmm. so i think that's probably maybe where the ghost story sprung up from now people may have seen something Mm -hmm. i don't know just because the story doesn't seem to warrant it doesn't mean that you know people don't see spirits there you know
1: people say that when they're in that jail they get the feeling of being watched could the spirit of caroline still reside there I'm not quite sure, because today that jail is being used as an event venue. If you go online, you can see photos of what it looks like today. It's quite beautiful. You can host parties, meetings, and even weddings. So it's a far cry from the cold, lonely cells that Caroline knew. So maybe if she is still there, you know, at least maybe she gets to see happy events going on there now and not tragic.
0: Not the sad. People
1: being locked in cells. Tragic
0: past that it uh, that it has. But it is mm-hmm. a beautiful building, Not in the sense that a Savannah building is beautiful, but it is old architecture. Mm -hmm. And every time we went by there, you'd see it when you drive by and think, that's kind of a cool building. Mm -hmm. Dallas, old Dallas is sort of neat looking.
1: Yeah. A bluegrass band from Asheville, North Carolina, known as the Scatterlings. What a
0: great name.
1: Actually wrote a song about this story, and it's actually really good. I listened to it today. The song lyrics are... This is a mournful lament of the last woman hanged in North Carolina in the year 1892.
0: Nice title. you got to sing it nasally. I'm not singing, singing it. You're singing the girl, <laughs> I Sing it.
1: I'm not singing it. I'm going to read it for you.
0: I'll go get my mandolin.
1: Okay. On this wagon of death, beneath a cloud of black and gray, I near my fate on a cold and damp and dark winter's day. I did not kill my babe, and I do not need to fear. I'll meet him when I pass beyond this veil of sorrowed tears. Oh, I'm crying. Oh, I'm crying. In my best black gown and wearing a Sunday hat, I can hear the drama rollin'. It's a rat-a-tat-tat-tat. Tat. Well, they believed old Mac and what he said he saw, and now I'm being choked to death, choked to death by law. Oh, he's lying. Oh, he's lying. I know that all is right come my judgment day, but my blood runs cold as I hear the hangman say, give it a good drop, give it a five-foot drop, give it a good drop, don't let up till her breathing stops. Soon I'll be flying, soon I'll be flying. To watch me die, are 150 score. My kerchief slowly falls as he drops the gallows' door. I did not kill my babe, and I do not need to fear. I'll meet him when I pass beyond this veil of sorrowed tears. Oh, I'm dying, oh, I'm dying. So you can go on YouTube and search Caroline Ship, and it's the first thing that comes up, so it's a really good song. But I basically could have just read you the song and it would have told you the whole story. It's basically
0: did. the whole story right there. And they did
1: do a good job summing it up.
0: Historically accurate bluegrass songs. They all tend to be pretty mm-hmm. much that.
1: Yeah, it was really nice.
0: So that's going to bring us to the portion of our episode where we... Insert graphic here. What, what we're, we're Watching... watching.
1: So, we finally found a show that combines my love of competition shows and Brett's love of random violence.
0: And flamethrowers. And this show. Flamethrowers.
1: <laughs> this show is called BattleBots. Now, at first, you might think you wouldn't like this show if you're and anything you like me. you
0: be wrong because you are super critical of amazing robot violence. I
1: thought I was. I'm usually very judgy. When I think about watching a show, I'm always trying to be like, eh, I don't know about this. But it just randomly came on the other day, and I immediately thought, I'm going to hate this. But just a couple minutes into it, I was invested. Now I'm learning all about the different type of bots. There's spinner bots, flipper bots.
0: We're, we're talking about building one yeah, without any knowledge of how to do like metalworking or I engineering. I just want to
1: design it, and like, but I'm not going to build it, but I just want to design it. Just one. hand
0: it off to somebody. Build this yeah, for it's me. How much unlimited. can it possibly cost? Oh,
1: my gosh. If we get into that, y'all. Hmm. So we even found out they film in Las Vegas, and we're going to be in Vegas in a couple weeks, so we're hoping to catch a show while we're there.
0: I hope so. I don't even care if it's like the discount Dollar Tree version of the people trying to climb up the ranks. I want to see something blow up. I want to see Ribot. I do, too. I don't even know if he's still involved in the competition. We just started around season six, I think. Well, we didn't even go to the seven beginning.
1: seven is the current season, I believe. It's seven or eight. I think it's seven. And so, I just went back to watch season six because we were, like, somewhere in the middle of seven.
0: I just want to see things blow up. And they don't always blow up. Occasionally, it's a dud, but it's sort of like a UFC fight. I've seen UFC fights. Well, I've seen a UFC fight. It was blown up like it's a big deal. And there were several multiple bouts that happened before it to lead up to the title match. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. I was at my friend's house, and he had bought it. So, I was like, I'll sit with you and watch it. Got near the end. The, the After an hour and a half, or two hours, or three hours, or however long this thing went on, the guy got up there and it's like, All right, everybody, fight. 20 seconds later, the match is over. The guy's knocked out. And I'm like, You paid $65 that. to rent this. I remember that. And the nothing exploded.
1: Yeah, it was pay per view. I remember that. <laughs> it, was it was literally like a knockout and like something should catch a minute. on
0: fire. Mm
1: hmm. So, after watching several episodes of this Brett, what is your rating on our arbitrarily chosen scale of 1 to 12 dog treats?
0: I give this 13 because I thought you would. It's 13 stars. I can't even do a graphic for those, but it's it's everything you want out of a television it show. Is. It's got everything you could ever want, which includes violence, robots,
1: Oh, the, the commentators are funny.
0: Commentators Paruk are funny. Farouk
1: is hilarious. Yeah,
0: he is. They've the got this guy that sounds like he's probably wishing he was announcing for the NFL. And maybe he has because he's got that voice. Yeah, he really
1: seems to enjoy this job, though. Yeah, I mean, he does the, a good the job. The
0: announcers are hilarious. Yes. I love those guys. They get so excited about this robotic violence. Mm-hmm. I should totally be checked out and make sure that I'm safe to be in society.
1: <laughs> you should be.
0: So what's your rating, then?
1: I'll give it a 12. I actually love this show. And every time you fall asleep, I just keep watching. Well, it.
0: you shouldn't do that. I know. Because now I'm going to miss
1: it. I know. And then I have to go back and show you the best fights. But it's the kind
0: of thing you can just watch yeah, over and over just again. You can pick up
1: anywhere. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that way we can just sort of skip through the, the rinky dink fights and see the ones where the robots pick the other ones up and throw them like 20 feet. I know.
1: There's like this smash one the robot. Bites out of the ceiling. And it immediately just got its bill broken off. And. <laughs> Just kinda like puttered around the ring and it didn't do anything. The duck. Yeah. And then
0: there's another one where this massive thing came out and the other one ran over and knocked its wheel off and it just <laughs> fell over. And it was, I don't know what it is about it. It's mesmerizing. I to love watch it this. when they
1: knock them out of the arena entirely.
0: I liked it when they smashed a light out of the ceiling uh-huh. fixture because of the shrapnel going everywhere.
1: Yeah, they're inside of this big battle box that is bulletproof because and So they say. Oh, that's what they say, because the things go they're they weigh several hundred pounds each and they don't look like it. When you see them, they look like little tiny things. But when they're up next to a person, they look huge. So they make a lot of damage.
0: So if any of our listeners are into battle bots or have a battle bots team, let us know. We want to come hang out with you. Yeah. And maybe give some input on how to design it. We actually both have come up with a really cool idea for a robot and we would love to talk
1: about it. Oh, yes. It.
0: So that's going to bring us to the portion of our show that we like to call Layla, Layla and Coffee, Coffee Talk. Talk. It took me 3 times to say that you didn't hear it. It was <laughs> I'm struggling today.
1: So the girls are super excited. Grandmommy and Granddaddy are coming to visit. They've been working very hard in the yard with me to get all the palm trees trimmed and the grass weeded and the flowers planted. They see me put on gardening gloves and they lose their little minds.
0: Coffee especially seems to enjoy gardening gloves appearing on the scene.
1: It's like I'm bending over and I'm trying to pull weeds out of the ground, and her face is right there in my way, like just. She's what we
0: call a work buddy in the industry.
1: She is so funny, and Layla kind of tries to stay clear of like the weed eater and stuff coffee i have to end up putting her in the house sometimes because she wants to attack it she's
0: trying to save you from it she, she knows it's dangerous yeah so she's going to go face first into the weed eater
1: <laughs> they also started working out this week and they thought that was a lot of fun layla, layla immediately plopped down on my yoga mat and then they started a tussle right in my way so you know i got a lot of working out done
0: their tussles are legendary there's actually a portion of our yard that we named tussle tunnel and that's where they go to run back and forth and attack each other. It's, yeah. it's glorious, really.
1: Usually if Layla comes in without her collar, we know where it is. It's she Tunnel. She lost the
0: tussle and Tussle <laughs> in Tunnel. Tussle Tunnel.
1: So, you know, I've been getting stalked by this guy online that wants you to work out. He's like in my news feed and my emails for some reason.
0: He showed up my emails. I mean, my news feed as well. And I was like, you know, dude, I'm already under my goal weight. I don't need your services. Yeah,
1: but you want to get abs. See, it's not that you got to lose weight. I do? Yeah, you do.
0: I do. It's about
1: to be summer. Don't you want some abs?
0: I've never had abs in my entire life. Well,
1: it'd be a new experience.
0: Are you trying to say that I am not attractive enough for you as oh, no, I is? Saying, I
1: didn't say that. Just saying. Does this that
0: hat not do it for you?
1: <laughs> as we get older. Got to work a little Speak harder. for yourself. I'm
0: halfway to 90. I ain't dead yet.
1: <laughs> Got to work a little harder.
0: Oh, well, that doesn't mean much. Just a little harder? Okay. I, know, I tried to get I'll get you to out do, of the chair twice an hour then. I
1: tried to get you to do the ab workout with me last night, and you wouldn't do it.
0: Yeah, well, I got this very important Call of Duty thing coming up. I yeah, totally got to get right on that. So
1: It only takes 20 minutes, so you can't even play a match in 20 minutes.
0: I feel like mentally it's preparing me to maybe at some point do an ab workout if it comes around to it. I don't think that's gonna happen. No, probably not. So if you'd like to find us online, you can go to scarysavannahandbeyond.com. and beyond dot com. You can also find us on all social media by looking for the user at Scary Savannah. Please always remember, we need coffee and lots of it, even though it caused me to be up late at night last night, I think. I just can't stop drinking it. And we need some for the podcast. And if you could donate some to Crystal's I Need Coffee Fund, not only would it fill up these coffee cups, but it would also help support the podcast. You can find that by going to our website and looking at the little yellow coffee cup icon in the bottom left-hand corner. Click on that and send some coffees there's also another way you can support us. We have a merch store. If you go to our website, look at the link up top. It says store. Go there. Buy the merches. They're good merches, aren't they?
1: They are. I really like the shirts and the coffee mugs.
0: Because they've got coffee and Layla on one of them. That's a really yes. cool one, isn't it? Yeah. Go buy some merch there. Another way you can help support the podcast is going to get you extra content if you go to Patreon and... And that's patreon.com forward slash scary savannah. You can sign up for as little as $3 a month and get at least one extra episode every week. And there's a huge backlog of stuff we've done on there. So yeah, there's some a really lot good stuff of content. On there. Yeah. We actually just the Wednesday before this episode has come out, released another Patreon episode for free to our main feed. So you can hear sort of what we talk about on some episodes. And it's about Victorian women's beauty secrets. And it was completely insane.
1: Yeah, you learned a lot.
0: I did. (laughs) I know now that women need to look dead.
1: Yes. It's so hot to be, like, near death.
0: It really is, and I totally agree with that. That's why I personally have asked you to start using some more arsenic in your diet (laughs) to help your your complexion. My complexion's
1: too dark. Yeah,
0: maybe get some radium (laughs) eyeliner or something of that nature. Check that episode out. You'll know what we're talking about at that point. And also, please... We haven't asked this in a while. Go like and rate and subscribe to our show. You can do it. Go to our website. There's a link that will take you to all the different places that you can leave us a review. And apparently you can also leave us a review on Facebook. We didn't even know this until it showed up. So, Crystal, would you like to read the review we got from a listener on Facebook?
1: Yes, from Laura C. She said, I normally don't care for a double hosted pod. But these two are fantastic together. I've been binging all the episodes. I adore the ending segments where they rate movies. And Layla and Coffee Talk is so relatable for animal parents. Please keep up the good work. P.S. I would love to hear more stories from Texas. Brett's John Wayne impersonation is too funny. I'll give uh, her a little taste of that.
0: Apparently, she's not a real person. And maybe <laughs> I just pretended to Did be. Did you write this C. review? And wrote this review. <laughs> I would not be so bold as to say that I do a good John Wayne impersonation, but I would say it's passable, maybe for the purposes of a All podcast. Right.
1: Give us a little something. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it now. I don't you know, know. Perform on demand.
0: Well, I can. Give me a second here. <laughs> I love John Wayne movies, so me and my dad had this thing where he would call. Every time he had a sidekick in a movie, he was named after a state. It doesn't matter what movie it was, because he'd be like, All right, Colorado, Tupelo, Mississippi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Albuquerque.
0: Look here, Albuquerque. I ain't going to hit Honolulu. you. <laughs> Honolulu. Honolulu. That was terrible. That was But great. thanks for listening, and thank yeah. you for leaving the review on Facebook. You can also go do that if you're so inclined, and use the Facebook.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to be looking for some stories in Texas for our friend Laura.
0: Thank you so much, Laura. I promise next time I do a John Wayne impersonation, you will be prepared. Just wing it, and I'll yeah. be prepared. Okay. So, that brings us to the part of the show where you say some words, and I go work on my impersonations.
1: Join us next time in Savannah. Where the ghosts and the good times live on.
0: But did you know who don't? Who? Ribbot. Apparently, that thing got shredded, didn't it?
1: No, Ribot One. Ribot One? You're thinking of Kraken.
0: Kraken. The
1: Kraken got his Kraken. teeth knocked knocked out.
0: Just tore the teeth right out yeah. of that thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, now oh, I'm to go watch Oh, remember robots. that
1: one last night? Oh, uh, you were just about to fall asleep. It got like blown into like four pieces, like just completely decimated. Oh, obliterated. Yeah, obliterated. yeah that was glorious. Yeah.
0: Let's go blow something up.
1: All right.